Hey there, I'm Rayanne Irving. I know firsthand the amount of courage, strength, and resiliency it takes to alter the course of your life after experiencing sexual abuse, violence, exploitation, and human trafficking. That's why I've created a new show, Focus Forward, the Rayanne K. Irving podcast. Real people, actionable steps, endless possibilities. This is your invitation to Focus Forward with me, your host, Rayanne, every Monday on your favorite streaming platform. Hey, listeners. Welcome to Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rowland. You're going to get to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. These are stories that maybe never made it to headlines. Maybe they weren't believed. And you're going to get to hear from survivors themselves tell the truths of sex trafficking. Join us. And remember, listener discretion is advised. We understand the the greatness about our community and we know the struggles of our community and I think that that is something to be excited for when we can come together and share stories like ours and be a voice for those who need us. You are worthy, you know, and you are, you're precious, you know, you're beautiful and in spite of what you're going through of what you've gone through, it does not determine who you are going to be in the future just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. All that mess you went through, there's a message in that and there's a message of hope and transparency and freedom for somebody else. There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Your freedom is in your mouth and it's the key to somebody else's chains. You matter and your story matters always. Taking the voices of the unheard and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. Welcome to another episode of Unseen the Traffic Truth podcast. It's me, Victoria. In today's episode, I am going to have Rayanne Irving from Focus Forward podcast on dropping some major power, and knowledge. So she is an Indigenous woman of Canada, and she graced us with her ideas, her experiences, her revelations, and her education. And it it turns into a huge, amazing, accomplished conversation that is truly, naturally honest, and you'll feel like you are there with us. And I just want to thank you for that and joining and staying tuned and hearing her truths, her testimony, and her vision. But hey, stay tuned. Thanks again for coming to Unseen the Traffic Truth Podcast. I'm currently going to be working on uh, creating an enrichment impact model. 
for an organization in Africa called Sustain Cameroon. So I'm working with Youth Underground to create something where I can go over there and apply um, because I'm also a student of bioenergetics or a student of neuroenergetic kinesiology. So the goal is to go over to Africa and be able to provide my services to help people to reduce the stress so that they can go from a reactive to a responsive state and so that they can change their lives so that they're not running in that same behavioral pattern. Uh, right. And so I'm working on that. And then Rasha and I, you know, the, the podcast actually started out yeah. as a, an idea for a world summit. I wanted a world wow. summit and I wanted to bring in some of the people because I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if you describe me as a polymath or not, but I like to read as much as I can. And then I attempt to absorb all the information in one pass, which never happens, which means you have to fact check everything I say, I swear, but with good intentions. So, so the idea was to bring in all of these people for the human trafficking organizations because so many of them, I, I think that people have their hearts in the right place. But I, I also, but I also know from personal experience that when I reached out as someone who had already exited sex trafficking, I reached out and I offered my assistance, and I was also seeking to be like, "What are you doing to help these people?" Because I'm struggling right now. They didn't have the answers. They didn't know and they didn't have the answers and they didn't know because they hadn't experienced trafficking. And so what I found was, is that people think that they know what you need, but no one's ever stopping to ask what is missing. They don't, they don't ask you, what are you missing? They're only telling you, this is what you need. Right. And so it shook me up that I had to go out, that there were all these organizations saying that they were there to help and yet they had nothing to offer me. Right. They had nothing to offer me. So I, had to go in search of my own and say, okay, well, well, what is going to help me? Well, what is going to be there to support me? And where can I find the answers that I'm seeking? Right. So I started reading a lot of books and delving into delving into just my own, you know, my own circumstances and delving into my own history. And, you know, and that was when I really started to understand what generational trauma was. Right. And, and I started to realize that a lot of my actions and a lot of my circumstances were created because I, I call it my, my blood was singing. You know what I mean? So like when, when we have, um, you know, if you look at epigenetics, yes, we pass down our survival skills. We pass down all that knowledge, you know, but if we have unresolved trauma in our life and that trauma is not resolved, it takes up space and it, it presents itself in the next generation to be healed. And so that's a lot of what I was experiencing. And I didn't know it at the time. You know, I didn't understand that when I was going through it. So a lot of the factors that were driving my own actions and my own behaviors and my own responses, I didn't understand what that was. You know, and so that's what I realized a lot of these organizations that are very well meaning, they also didn't understand because they were coming, a, a great many of them are coming from a place of privilege, yes, right? Absolutely. And so they didn't have all of the, all the tools or the information to be able to share with me, right? Yep. So, so anyway, so that, yep. that's what I wanted to do with this World Summit was I wanted to uh, bring in basically everybody that I'm having on the podcast now because, you know, shit happens yep. and COVID hit and the presidential yeah. debate hit and Rasha and I sat back and we're just like, you know what? World Summit's not going to happen this this year or even the next yeah. year. So, and I was just like, but damn it, I have all this information. And I'm, I'm like, I was so tired. I've been writing this book for six years and I was so tired of, of living in the past. You know, I didn't want to focus on that. I needed something to help keep me in the present moment, right? 
And, and I'm all about moving forward and focusing forward. I mean, that's my present. So building the podcast was a real undertaking. And um, yeah, it all started because I wanted a, a world summit. So, well, I hope that you still are able to accomplish that goal because it's very much needed. Like I, I hear your truths. I hear everything that you're saying and the intentions of now what this universe brought to you mm-hmm. is like now you have so much more power into your hands to facilitate those conversations, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, have the right intentions for the other organizations. And you said you're partnering with organizations. So that's one step in the survivors, I guess, paving the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because even though I've worked in it, I've always seen that too. It's like, a, it's like, what are, what am I doing here? Like, I thought that this was going to be one thing yeah. or this organization was going to do one thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to talk to people who know. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, it's, it's, Nothing at all like what you would expect, you yeah. know. Yeah, and I find that um, when when you're stepping into this field, you can't teach from an open wound. You have mm-hmm. to teach from your scars. And and I found also that a fair amount of people they are teaching from their open wounds, and I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. In you know when when it comes to if you listen to their language and the language that they're using, right? It's it's you can hear where they're sitting. You can hear it in the treble of their voice when it shakes. You can hear when someone's identity is attached mm-hmm. to what they're saying, and mm-hmm. and how that influences you know just this this whatever it is that they're trying to share and or whatever it is that they are attempting to convey, right? Yes. And so when their identity is wrapped up in into this fight, and, and when I hear people use the word, we're fighting human trafficking, we're fighting human trafficking, mm. I I listen and I think, oh yeah, you're fighting, but nothing nothing ever truly comes. There there are no winners in fighting. And you know, I, I think that rage is an is an incredible catalyst to to get the ball rolling, but that it's not a sustainable emotion for long-term growth. And so what I mean by that is that there are no winners in fighting. And it is my is my absolute true belief that human trafficking will end when we heal ourselves, right? Because what we demonstrate for our children when we set precedence is when we teach love and healing and integrity and vulnerability, these are all things that change the notion or or the meaning behind the word vulnerability. You know, vulnerability is no longer a weakness. It is now a strength, right? And and I find that when you're in a place of trying to fight something, you know, the word vulnerability, it's like, oh, we were vulnerable. So we got exploited, you know, and it's like, it's like, mm, yes, yes, yes. And no, there's so much more behind that statement than, than what you're, uh, than what you're, now, right now, capable of uh, integrating, you know, into your vocabulary or into the way that you're being. And so I look at it like, rather than fighting human trafficking, I feel that we need to heal ourselves and demonstrate and share the power of knowledge. And we need to prepare the children. And I think that that's such a, an interesting, I understand that we don't want to burden our children with this idea or this knowledge that there are people out there that are capable of exploiting them. But the problem with that is, is that that's exactly why they're being exploited, right? Because they don't have the knowledge or the whereabouts or because they don't know boundaries or because, you know, they they don't know their their self-value, right? And so they are seeking to feed this subconscious narrative or they are seeking validation. and, And so they're easily exploited as a result of that. 
you know, again, I circle back to vulnerability is should be a strength. Mm -hmm. And when we seek to protect our children from the very things that will empower them, I I just feel like there's, there's just so much, there's so much more to. There is so much more. Yeah. And that's why I love to start with hearing the successes and the ventures that survivors have, because when, when they, you know, some people's learning styles are obviously different, especially youth, especially children. Mm-hmm. You know, some people learn through hearing it affected someone that they know, maybe yeah. it affected them. But then some people, you know, they want that educational material. And that's just not the way that I think these kids are going to really learn these mm-hmm. days with social media. And they're following like these images and the blanket statements. Like you said, that's a blanket statement, fighting mm-hmm. human trafficking. Like, you can't expect a, a victim or a very vulnerable kid that doesn't know their self-worth to understand and dissect that. Right. What do you mean you're fighting it? So does that mean there's people that have my back and then there's like all these false ideas or they, they think that they're represented in this capacity that's yeah. like, I have so much support. Well, you know, some of these stories that I'm going to you know share through the podcast, like yourself, it's it started at a very, you know, a teenage, mm-hmm. teenage years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the vulnerability, I love that. You got to coin that. Vulnerability <laughs> should be our strength. We need to change the narrative because yeah. we start off with a lot of survivors telling their stories of being in a low income, you know, area yeah. or they didn't have the support, their father or their mother, or they were abusive. And it's just like, okay, but what did we do with that? Like right now, Rayanne, when we, people hear your story, they're, they're not even going to probably piece together like the Rayanne that you are now. Mm-hmm. And it does take time and years. And I love how you said it needs to be speaking through or sharing through and being ready when those scars are healed in some capacity. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, the wounds are healed essentially because you're yeah. right. I'm talking like 15 years later. You're talking like 20 years later. Mm-hmm. I spoke to the previous, you know, survivor. She's turning 50 and it's just kind of like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And if we could change that narrative, we could tap into the kids that are 18, 19 right now. Exactly. You don't have to wait. Well, and, and I think one of the other things that, that really gets twisted is the language that we're using. And it has taken me, it has taken me so long and I'm still wrapping my head around to this, to be honest with you, but you know, it's the language that's being used. It, it, it changes and fluctuates. And number one, when we attach certain tags or phrases to people. People can take that on and, and they can internalize it. And then they, they will strive to meet those expectations. But the problem with that is those expectations that are being set for them are often so much lower than what they're capable of setting for themselves, right? And so when you have an organization that is busy telling you, these are victims, these are victims, these are victims. And then these kids go, they hear this. And they take that on and they internalize it. And then they go, oh, right, I'm a victim. Oh, I'm a victim. You know, essentially they, they are taking that on and then they are actually giving away their power. And, and so, you know, what I'm attempting to do is, you know, I really focus on saying, listen, you were victimized. You are not a victim. Right. And you and only you have the power. And let's reclaim that power. Let's reclaim that. And, you know, and I believe that when it comes to agency, you know, we're teaching people you have the right to say no, you have the right to say no. We also have to, you cannot give somebody agency and say you have the right to say no without saying you also have the right to say yes. 
And so if this is your choice, if this is what you are engaging in as a means of survival until you are in a position to to be able to amass the tools that you need to change the circumstances, should you so choose to do, right? Mm -hmm. That also has to be represented. And so again, you are your own hero. You are the person when you, you are capable of manifesting and drawing in and inviting in extraordinary miracles and circumstances in order to raise yourself up from that, which is holding you back or holding you down. And if we don't teach these kids that, you know, if somebody is being sex trafficked and then they see all these, all these posters um, and Mm -hmm. sitting around saying, oh, this person's a victim. And they're not going to be able to recognize, right? They're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to recognize. Like even I look at it and I'm going, there are all these pictures and all these videos with these people handcuffed and chained. And, you know, like, girl, I got to tell you what, I was only ever once really, yeah, I got locked in a room and stuff, but like, I was only ever once tied down, you know? And, and when Mm -hmm. I was tied down, it was by a family friend after I escaped to the streets, you know, they tied me down to a four poster bed and, Mm -hmm. and they, they held me there um, in in an attempt to, to, they were, they're waiting for fear, you know, because they could only get off on fear. Um, and I was, and I remember I was just like, I was looking at them and I was like, are you done yet? (laughs) Like this fear tactic situation. Yeah. You do realize I was a hooker, right? (laughs) Like you do recognize that like, it's not going to work. You just brought up a huge point because one of the youths that I I'm working with, Mm -hmm. you know, same thing. She's been trafficked and so-and-so and and she's only been really you know not saying only been but Mm -hmm. she's been tied down by a family member also yeah Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like can we you know stop with that imagery already stop with that imagery because it's not always what it it doesn't always look like what they're telling you it looks like yep exactly you know and exactly and again it it was so bizarre It, it was after I got off the streets but you know and this is why I'm such a um, I'm such an advocate for this, for healing and for, um, for understanding that we draw these experiences in, you know, because, because of the patterns that I was holding, right. I was seeking out validation. And so when I went to go with this person that I, that I was told I could trust, who was a, a family member and had been a longtime family member, the language that I used, the interaction that I, you know, just the conversations that I engaged in thinking that it was okay, you know, oh, we're just playing, we're just playing a game of poker and we're having a few beers. All of those, did I, did I invite that in on a conscious level? No, on a conscious level, I had no idea that I just thought I was, you know, hanging with a, with a dude, but on a subconscious level, I was, I was re-engaging with a, with a person who is feeding this, this narrative, right. That, that I was, that I, that I was running and, or that I was seeking out. I, it's, it's hard to say, like, I know I'm stumbling over the words now, but yeah, no, no, no. You get it, no, right? No, no. I, I definitely, yeah. I, yeah, I get it. And that, that's kind of one of what I wanted to segue into your story, because a lot of the victimizations that you experienced, we were in the moment of thinking a lot of things, but we definitely weren't thinking we were being sex trafficked. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact. I mean, but also it's like, we're in the moment of knowing 50, 50, like we're, we're, we made a decision, right? We made a decision to walk up in here with this man and we're going to have a good time. But then there's that other side. That's just kind of like, nah, this, this, I don't know what doesn't, what's not right. 
Because I've been victimized so many times. Like, I don't know that that this wasn't right. And I mean, I was working with a lot of the sex workers in Miami and they're just like, hey, sis, you know, you're going to give me. I was more of on a research end, and they're like, sis, you're going to give me twenty five dollars. Right. I tell a little bit about, you know, my story and then I go get my friends. They're like, I'm like, yeah, but I want to see you like one month and three months and six months. They're like, oh, yeah, fuck that. That's seventy five dollars. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna come back. Cause I was doing yeah. blowjobs for $5 and I'm not going to, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's not like I'm going to sit up in here and like put down anyone for their, you know, for their struggles. But when they're getting into a car or when they're putting themselves in a situation, I guess I'm saying what you were kind of mentioning. It's not like I knew that this was going to happen to me. We set ourselves up for failure and, and that's so, and that's so curious to me. And, you know, we set ourselves up for failure. Think about that. When this is all we have known or when these are the type of people that we've engaged in or when it is that we, you know, we're attracted to people again that are, I can't say this enough, we invite in and or we are attracted to people that are going to help us to complete a pattern, right? And so if we, if we have this behavior pattern, I mean, this has been my experience. I can't speak for anybody else. I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. This is just based off of my own experiences, right? Absolutely. You know, I found myself engaging, you know, in, in these patterns and constantly attracted to this, to the same kind of people. Or so I think that when we're in that kind of a situation, we don't always recognize the, the subtle advances of another person as they shift into exploiting us because we are both set for survival or survival skills are, are on point, you know, and at the same time though, we have a very high tolerance for this abuse, for this exploitation. And so it takes a lot more for us to be like, oh shit, right. Like this, this is, this is going to take a turn for the worst kind of idea, right? Like, like we find ourselves, we're already the fly is mm-hmm. stuck in the netting because we were creeping along being like, oh, this is familiar territory, <laughs> you know? And all of a sudden we're like, oh, damn it. Here comes the fighter again. Like, fuck, how'd I get here? Hey listeners, taking a quick break here, but as we are talking about commercial sexual exploitation of children, one of the many, many ways that this is occurring continually is through social media, through texting, through gaming. These digital predators are attacking our young people. And I say that to get you all informed and reminded that there are devices now in 2020 that assist us in preventing this exploitation. I talked about it before, but check out Gab Wireless. Right now, there's still a special where you still use our promo code unseen TTT podcast capital letters. You get $10 off of $79.99. That's right. They're running a promotion right now where there's 20% off of $99. So you listeners who just want to See how you can help and prevent this from happening or affecting your young people in your life. Check out this phone. The most important thing is that there's no internet browsers. There's no social media apps allowed to be even downloaded. So check it out. Go to their website. Use our promo code. The link is in the show notes. When I first got off the streets, it was a struggle to not go back because it was what I knew. It was what was familiar. It was everything in the outside world was scary. Nobody understood. There were so many assumptions being made about me. You know, I was told, 
yeah, I was, I was labeled as, as a, as a drug addict who was tricking for, for drug money. And I'm like, that wasn't even the case. Like there's no shame in that, but that just wasn't my truth. Right. And, um, and so I was actually denied access to medical care because when I did go to the doctors, the first doctor I went to, he told me to never speak about what had happened to me to anybody and just sent me out of the office. And then when I went, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was the doctor that actually delivered me when I was a baby on top of dead serious. And so right then and there, that, that was that, that seed of shame was planted. Right. And so then when I went back to another doctor, my guardian at the time, they didn't know what I'd been through. They were just told that I was a drug addict. And again, I wasn't doing drugs. And anyway, so my guardian burst through the door like a fucking Kool-Aid man. And was like, he's like, don't give her drugs. She's an addict. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh was, my yeah. God, yeah, my guardian did that. So, anyway, so I got kicked oh, out of that doctor's God. office. And I was like, oh my gosh. So anyway, so it was really hard for me to not go back because I was being labeled and judged, right? And so I just began, I actually, uh, I began to uh, self-medicate and that was, and I wasn't even self-medicating. It wasn't, I didn't begin self-medicating until after that family friend tied me down to a four poster bed and abused me really badly. And it wasn't until after that, that I actually tried smoking crack, not my thing, you know, like I'm ADHD. They give kids like me Ritalin, like crack and cocaine just slows my brain down and makes me like. I'm like, this is the last thing I want is to think like quicker, faster, slower about what I've been through. Like, I'd like to forget, please. You know, and so I had a friend at the time who was um, smoking heroin and she introduced me to chasing the dragon. And so for about, I think about eight months, I was chasing the dragon as a, you know, just self-medicating because I didn't know how to be in my body. You know, my body was no longer a safe place, right? Because uh, I went from being raped and gang raped to thinking that, you know, being a prostitute was a viable life choice and then being forced into Mm. prostitution by another pimp, a couple other pimps. And then when I got out, my agency was once again stripped of me when that, when that family friend tied me down to the four poster bed. And then the next guy after him, um, you know, got me drunk and held me down and raped me. And I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like I, no matter where I turn, my body doesn't seem to be my own. And so it became a very unsafe place for me to be. And the only way I knew how to cope with that was by chasing the dragon because it made my body feel good again. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like somebody was caressing my veins with, with their fingertips or fingernails and was saying, it's okay, this is a safe space again. And so I did that for about eight months. And then I, I knew I needed to get clean because I, I wasn't turning tricks for the drugs. I wasn't nothing like that. Um, you know, but I, I just knew it was just time. I didn't want to, I no longer wanted to be getting high. I wanted more for myself than that. And so I left that. Um, and, but once again, though, I, because I had never truly had consensual, sober, willing sex, you know, like my, one of my first experiences, um, was drunk this, the week after that I was raped the, the morning after that I was gang raped. My next sexual experience was as a prostitute after that. And then my only experiences after prostitution was rape again. And so I didn't know how to be in a relationship and have sex. I knew how to perform. I knew how to fuck. I knew how to um, engage and have someone take care of me, but I did not know. And I knew how to be someone's friend, but I didn't know how to integrate the two together. Right. So I was engaging in relationships that were very toxic as a result of that, you know, and so I wouldn't have sex with anybody. 
And then when I would have sex with them, Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to be their friend or talk to them. So I would abandon ship. Right. And so I think I was, I was 33. It was, I had two, I had two decent relationships. My, my first long-term relationship was really, it was beautiful. You know, he was younger than me. It was a self-protecting thing. Um, but he was very safe. My second relationship, a lot of my PTSD came up in, in the bedroom. A lot of it came up. I didn't know how to cope, but I was, I was 30. No, I think I was like 30 or 33, 33 when it was over. I was about 30 when I entered into a relationship with a man who, who was, uh, his marriage was on the rocks. And I didn't understand at the time why I was involved in this, right? I didn't understand that he was, he was safe to me, right? Because, you know, I didn't have to be in a relationship with him, but I was having, you know, these other needs met. And right at the end of this relationship, it ended right around the time when he also raped me. And I'm sitting here going to myself, I've been with you for three years. How did this just happen? And actually, and I didn't even think it was rape at first. My friend had to tell me, honey, he raped you. And I was like, well, I kind of understand why it happened. And she's like, yeah, but it's, it was still rape. And it took me a long time to get on board with, with understanding that. And so that, that was the tipping point when I finally recognized, I was like, oh, that was it. Like I've been inviting these, these relationships in, you know, I've been, I've been inviting these circumstances into my life because I've been running this pattern where I had been using sex to fix my previous relationships. And the minute that I pulled sex Mm -hmm. off the table, you know, that, that there were these people that I was engaging with where they, they would exact uh, force in the situation. Um, and mm-hmm. so, so that mm-hmm. I, I have to say, like, honestly, like, yeah, I, I was running these patterns right up until my thirties, right? Because you just didn't know. And your wounds were so Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Bleeding. I was, I was actively bleeding over everybody in my life and had no idea, you know? And, and so I hurt a lot of people. Um, I, I had a lot of friendships. I bailed on people all the time. Like my go-to was to, you know, I was like that, I was like that little lizard that runs across water real fast. I was like, I was like, peace out, bitch. <laughs> I might go, you know, like, yeah, I was like, I'm out, you know, so running was my go-to. I, I constantly ran for my problems, which is why I never dealt with them, which is why I didn't understand that they were, that they were constantly coming up in, in every relationship afterwards in some form or another. Some, some forms were more violent than others. Some were, um, you know, w- when you start to get, catch on to, to your own toxic shit where you're just like, yeah, I see this is going south. I'm out, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah. So, so I was in my thirties definitely before I actually recognized why and where I was engaging with people. And you know, the married man, it's so funny. Cause I, I remember saying to him, I was very like, there were times when I'd have these epiphanies and I, and I remember saying to him, you get that I'm only back in this relationship because my dad just died. And my dad didn't love me the way I wanted him to. You don't love me the way I want you to. And so I'm engaging in this um, out, out of, you know, some, some basic need that's not being met that I don't know how to meet myself yet. Right. And he's like, he's like, but I do love you. And I was like, no, no, you really don't. But like, I know it. So whatever, like, we'll just keep going until the shit crashes and burns again. <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness. I feel you a hundred percent though. And then when you were basically saying with your situations, how can we tell the listeners and like that, that other survivor who's currently, you know, mm-hmm. trying to process and go about her journey with her mm-hmm. wounds seriously open. And how do you recognize the pattern though, Rayanne? And how do you then, when you recognize mm-hmm. the pattern, 
how do you stop it? You know, I I think that for everybody that that's going to look different because no two traumas are the same, right? I mean, I mean, everybody has a different setup, has a different genetic makeup. They have, you know, nothing is the same for anybody. But I will say this, number one, you can hear something a million times before you're ready to receive the information, you know? And, and so it, it really, you know, how are you going to be able to, to, to stop the pattern? Well, you're going to be ready to stop the pattern when something gets painful enough. You know, I, I can't remember, I think it was Les Brown who, who told this story, or maybe it was Lisa Nichols. It, it was one of the two, or maybe they both told this story, but they, I'm, and I'm not going to tell it, you know, seriously, if you want to, if you want to laugh about this story, you're gonna have to go like YouTube this shit. But essentially there was, you know, how, how I heard the story or how I remember it. And there's this, this man walking past and, and he sees this old, this old couple sitting out on the porch and they're, they're rocking back and forth. And there's this old hound sitting next to them and he's moaning away. And the guy walks back and forth and he's like, why is this dog like howling like that and stuff? And so this goes on for about a week. Every week he walks past and there's these old couple rocking away and this old dog. And he finally stops and he says, ma'am, you know, why? why is your dog, you know, upset or why is he hurting or yelling or mumbling like that? And, and the old woman, she looks at him and she goes, well, I reckon he's lying on a nail and just don't hurt him enough yet for him to get up and move. And that story really resonated with me. And I was like, and so that's what I say to people is, listen, you can hear something a thousand times or be hurt by something a thousand times, but until, until you're ready to receive that information or until something is drastic enough that you realize you need to change what you're doing, you know, there's a pretty good chance you're going to keep engaging in that same behavior, right? So, so for everybody, it's different. You know, I, I can't predict, I can't predict for anybody, you know, even for myself, I'll be like, I'll be like, yeah, I recognize I'm doing this thing. And then I forget that I know I'm yeah. doing the thing. <laughs> right. Because it's really hard. I know we know it's hard for the survivors to be able to leave a situation and get out the life and, or just even try to have like a, a good relationship and, or not go back. I mean, that's one thing. Yeah. Yep. That's one you thing. Know, I, I've got a real good story about that. And this is something like I'm 38 now. And, and this is so funny. So about a year ago, I recognized that I was, you know, I knew that I was trying to fix this relationship with my mom. Right. Because like, let's face it, like everybody, you know, and I've been working on this for a few years, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't until last year or like within like the last like nine to 10 months where I openly verbally voiced and said, Oh, I've been holding you hostage in an attempt to force you to engage with me. Right. Like I've been like openly kind of trying to force the scenario force situations or trying to fix this relationship. And, and so I was, I was engaging in behaviors or I'd get really mad or upset about something because she wouldn't do something or she wouldn't actively engage with me or respond the way I wanted her to. And so I knew consciously, I knew, and I verbalized it and I said, no, no, I get that. I've been holding you hostage in weird ways, trying to force you to be the parent that I needed back then because I want that relationship still now. Right. So I knew I was doing that, but, uh, but I was still slow, you know, I was still slow about certain things. And then it wasn't until I, I was listening to Dr. Lori Brodo, 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 I think, speak. And she was talking about it. And she said she just verbalized it in a way or she contextualized it in a way that allowed me to really 
integrate and receive the information. And, and she said, she said, yeah, you're trying to change the narrative. Right. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, like my, my word was, oh, I'm holding you hostage, you know, but her word, her words were, you know, you're trying to change the narrative of the story. And, and what I was able to recognize in that moment is I was like, oh, I've taken this relationship as far as we can go with me trying to force you to be who I needed you to be back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and now I need to, I need to give you the freedom. And, and so I, and so I had a deep, I was meditating on it. And, and I, and I believe in, you know, again, because she's my mom and because all of her traumas are my traumas because I carry, you know, I carry the epigenetic markers within my body. I did this meditation and and I actually sat back and I asked myself, I asked my, my cellular integrity, my, my own memories. Um, I asked my blood and I just said, what is it? What is it that needs to happen here? Like, why can't I, why can't I seem to, to turn this into what I want it to be? And what I saw, you know, call it a vision, um, call it your blood singing, call it meditation, call it spirit, um, whoever it is that, that it is that you uh, feel connected to the most, is I saw that, you know, as a child, my mom wanted her freedom because my father was a drug addict and he was incredible, incredible human being, but, you know, he had his own, his own, um, his own demons and and that relationship didn't work out the way that she had dreamt and planned of, right? And so essentially what I saw happening was is that she wanted her freedom from that, right? Because when we have a dream that fails us or a dream that hurts us, when we lay expectations upon other people's and those expectations aren't met, it causes a wound, you know? And she didn't have the tools or the knowledge on how to, how to come back from that. And then here she had this kid as a result of this, of this failed dream. Right. And so what I saw was, oh my God, she wanted her freedom from that. And here I was in my late thirties trying to reenact a childhood from, you know, and and all she wanted was her freedom from that, you know? And so I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that's actually what was going on for her. I'm just saying that that is my interpretation of, you know, based off of my own experiences of, of what had taken place. And so I sat back and I thought, oh, I can give her that. I can give her that freedom, you know, like she doesn't, she doesn't need to be responsible for me now. And, and I can't, I can't reenact this childhood of what, you of want. what I want, right? right? All, all I can do is go from here and, you know, and, and try to move forward as, as things are now. And so that's not to say that we haven't patched and mended so much of what mm-hmm. went wrong, you know, like that, that's not to say that at all. I just recognized I was holding her hostage, trying to force her to be the parent I needed back then, but that's not who I needed mm-hmm. now as an adult. Right. And so I had to give her her freedom from that expectation. Right. And, and so I I think about that when I think about, you know, as we're moving forward and we start to engage with these people again, it's not, what do you need? It's what is missing. And then you need to go in search of what is missing. And here's the thing. My mom couldn't give me what was missing from my life, even though as a childhood, you know, it was what was missing in my childhood the only person that's capable of giving that to me as an adult is actually myself. And so I had to say to myself, what is it that I'm asking of her to give me? Okay. And how can I now start to take the steps to give those things to myself? How can I nourish myself? Where can I set myself up to succeed? And how can I stop setting my mother up to fail in my eye? Right. Right. So I think that when we start asking that of other people, 
um, or start asking that of ourselves, then we can actually start when people come into our lives, we'll, we, we are able to recognize where they're setting us up for failure due to the expectations that they have because they're not meeting their own needs, right? So, so we need to feed, we need to feed our own nourishment rather than turning to others, right? To validate um, the narratives that we are, that we are subconsciously telling ourselves. So, yeah. I'm letting that sink in Mm -hmm. right now. That is amazing. There's a lot with expectations Mm -hmm. and on a level that like even teens can understand, I think. I'm just really dissecting that because that's a that that is so in our in our older age, you know. Because mm-hmm. I'm 37 as well, and I'm trying to. I was mending a relationship with yeah. a lot of people, and like you said, I waited until my my have this scar, and then I was gonna, you know, speak my truth and everything. But that really resonates a lot because that's the you you know when you said they're inviting these you know these individuals or these vulnerabilities into your life. Well, sorry, don't quote me. I don't think you said inviting vulner- vulnerabilities into your life, but that we need to really look at the invitation too, because we don't need to continue to have some of these like unhealthy expectations of others. And you said something about keeping your mom, well, not keeping her, but you had this hostage idea of, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to impede this onto mm-hmm. her. I'm going to put this onto her. And it's like, you, you're not going to, she's not free yeah. again you know, and yeah, she wants to be. When we don't allow people to be free within our relationships with one another, um, then, then we're really boxing them in. And, and again, we're setting them up to fail in our eyes. Right. And, and so when we set people up to fail in our eyes, that's, that's due to the expectations that we place upon them. You know, whereas I think that when we, when we set them up, for the win, when we, when we take back our expectations, these, yes. these are people that will actually, they will soar and they will learn to meet their own expectations instead of, instead of lowering themselves to meet our expectations of them. Right. You know, so, and, and again, I realized that I was doing the same thing in the sense of like, my mom had certain expectations of me because my ex, her expectations of me validate her own choices back you know, 20 plus years ago. Right. And so I realized that, you know, part of me keeping my mother hostage, I was actually holding myself hostage because I was meeting, I was lowering myself to meet my mother's expectations of me when I was a child. Right. Because I, as a child, I had been engaging in activities that were toxic and self-harming and harming to her. And so she had these, these low expectations of me because of of the actions that I was um, engaging with. And, and so I found myself re-engaging even as an adult because I was seeking that love that I wanted from her as a child that I, that I didn't know how to get. And so as an adult, I was holding myself hostage and I was, I was actually meeting her low expectations of me. And I was not enabling myself or setting myself up to meet the higher expectations that I was trying to set for myself. Right. And so I consciously was like, no, I want to achieve X, Y, and Z. Why don't you get this? Why don't you understand what I'm doing? But, but wow. subconsciously I was meeting the expectations that she had set for me as a teenager in an effort to gain her approval and love. Right. And I couldn't, yeah, because I'd been holding her hostage. And so in order for our relationship to shift and change in order for me 
to, to get what I needed. I actually had to nourish myself and give myself the, the approval and the validation and the permission to meet my conscious expectations, which is what has actually freed our relationship up for her to meet me where I'm at now. For you to speak to the survivors right now and maybe the allies that are, you know, wanting to understand us or like come back in our lives. Can you give any advice? Um, and we'll, we'll sort of close out with that. Can you give them an, any advice on how to set them up for the win? How to set yourself up for the win? Yeah. I think the number, I think the first step is, is, you know, get curious. You're going to have to get curious about yourself. Okay. You're going to have to start asking yourself, Hmm, why does that make me feel the way that I'm feeling right now? Right. You know, but I think because a lot of us have been taught to invalidate our feelings and our experiences in order to fit within another person's acceptance. Right. right? And and so I know for myself, um, there were many years where I couldn't cry. All I could do was yawn because I wasn't, I wasn't allowing myself to express my emotions. And, and I didn't question that, right? I didn't question why am I not allowing myself to express these emotions? And so I think that we need to get curious, you know, like, I had to look at what were my triggers. And, and I think that's, that's another thing is, is our bodies are genius. They are our genius. They talk to us, right? They tell us, but we've been taught to ignore them. We've been taught to to disinvalidate our own feelings, and um, and we, you know, we've been taught that the body is is the body, and it's not connected to the mind in in a lot of cases. And so, you know, I think again, it comes back to being curious about yourself and starting to ask yourself questions. I think that that's how you set yourself up for the win, because when we fear our triggers, right? When we fear them, then we we start setting up roadblocks. So that we don't, um, so that we don't have to engage with them, and, and we start to avoid the things that will affect us and and bring us to our knees, or or that will bring about a traumatic uh, PTSD moment for us. But realistically, I think that you know, rather than fearing our triggers, we need to get curious about where did this start, where does this originate from, and, and I think that one of the, the number one things I can I can honestly say is that healing is not a linear event. You're not going to just suddenly wake up and go, oh, well, X equals Y. <laughs> and this is the trajectory Boom, it's going to go, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, not, it's not like that. I, I have found for myself, healing is actually, it's done in a spiral where, you know, it's, we, we revisit um, we revisit these reactive stresses. So it's like the like what whatever it is that triggers us, sir, I've found for myself there's often been a reactionary stress underneath. And it can take me a year or two or even three sometimes to really get to the core, the core wound, right? And so as hard as it can be to, and I get frustrated with myself so quickly, like even in Muay Thai, you can just see my face contort into this like, fuck. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know? um, um, I can become really easy to like, you know, like roll with that. Just be like, yeah, you're frustrated, yeah. but but that will pass and eventually get to it. You know, so so don't be afraid to recognize that your trigger is really your body's way of showing you where there's work to be done. You know, so get wow. curious. Get curious and do not fear. Oh no no no, no 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 no. You can you can fear seriously. You can fear. Okay. Like one of my superpowers 
is being fucking terrified and screaming. Mm, I take it back. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I take it back the whole time that I'm engaging in the thing that, that is fearful. And, and I'll tell you how I came to that conclusion. I realized I was like, I went skydiving this one time. And, and when we first, when we first took the plane up, there were about 3000 feet taking us around the city. And I was like, Oh, it's going to be easy. I can jump from 3000 feet. Fuck yeah. And then they took us up another eight. Now we're oh, at, yeah, so now I'm sitting at like, uh, sorry, seven, 7,000. We were sitting at, we jumped from 10,000 feet. So anyways, they pushed me up to the door and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I thought I was good. I'm not. I changed my mind. It's okay. I, I, you know what? I've been, I've been to the 10,000 feet. I sat at the window. We're good. I'm calling it. And the guy strapped to me. He goes, he goes, no, no, we're going to go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's okay. I'm not need you. Anyways. <laughs> Son of a bitch throws us out the door. <laughs> right? oh, and I'm, like, I'm like, oh my God. Anyways, <laughs> I loved it. Moment. I loved it you once we stopped barrel rolling wow. through the fucking air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get to we get to the bottom and I look at him and I was like, listen, um, is it still called jumping even if you had to kick me out the window and I scream the way down? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still called. I was like, okay, we cool, we cool, we're good. Oh God! Um, so so yeah. it, it it still counts even if you're scared, okay. even if you're screaming. Okay. Fuck no, the whole okay. way through it, you guys. <laughs> okay, it I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> and it's almost like you're saying challenge them, maybe challenge oh, your triggers. I, you know what? Get curious. Get, get curious. curious. Okay. You know, get curious. get curious and and engage, engage and investigate. Okay. And and also like you know my my personal go to. Um, my saving grace is maybe this isn't going to be for everybody. Once again, it's it, every path is is for the person to choose. But right. um, brain integration, uh, specialized kinesiology, bioenergetics, neuroenergetic kinesiology, neurocardiology kinesiology. That has been holy shit. That has been my saving grace. Um, Your saving yep, grace. you know, like when it comes to therapy you know, uh, that has been my personal go-to that has set me up for okay. success every time. And, okay. and again, it might work for some people. It might not. I'm just saying, you know, don't get curious. Don't, you know, explore your options, start yep. looking into different mm-hmm. modalities. And, you know, if you can and get you. quiet enough mm-hmm. within yourself and ask for help, I've, when you're ready, when you open yourself up to possibility, that is when the teachers, the mentors, the therapists, the doctors, the right people will always walk into your life when you open yourself up to the limitless possibility of um, of a healing interaction, right? Wow. Yeah. Yes. So are you going to have some of your episodes sort of channel? you know, kind of educating us on that, like the brain. Oh integration. yeah. 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 That's, um, yes, yes, yes. I, uh, okay. my episode number six, that's coming out this Monday. That's going to okay. be with Dr. Alex Katakis. She's a sex therapist. Ooh, uh, shit. so that's real cool. Uh, I believe that uh, next episode after that, I believe is going to be with Dr. Uh, Luann Brizendine. She is the, Holy um, the, the neuroscientist. She studied, she wrote a book called the female brain. She wrote another book about the male brain, you know, we get into all kinds oh of fun stuff. Okay. I've, I've invited um, multiple, multiple kinesiologists and neuro, neuroenergetic scientists onto the podcast. I've already recorded okay. all the episodes. They will be coming out. Wow, and and that's, that's what my podcast wow. is really about. You know, it's, it's about yeah. providing mm-hmm. you with options to look into, right? You know, like I'm, I'm not, again, you know, I can't say this enough. Everybody's journey is their own. And so no one looks the same, but 
Um, I just, I want ours to be a resource where you can explore um, your options or, or be introduced to new ideas that may or may not fit the, fit the mold for you. Yes. I love that. Well, can you tell us, you know, uh, tell us your podcast name and where we can find you, uh, even if you're willing, what other, um, what, what other podcasts you've been featured oh on so goodness. that we can um, now get obsessed with Rayanne. <laughs> so, so my podcast is, uh, if you go to Google search, it'll be Ran K Irving podcast. Um, of course I, I call it focus forward cause we're focusing forward, but, but the actual title is the Ran K Irving podcast. Um, I've been featured on talk with Teddy. I've been t- featured on, um, the trafficking dispatch. I've been featured on elsewhere and tangentially speaking i've now been featured with yourself i'm a regular (laughs) guest uh on igtv with youth underground and i have another igtv show starting up with amanda midens it's called read the fine print that's going to be coming out soon where we will be checking in weekly to do a live igtv show because my dad used to always say my dad was one of the greatest men i've ever known um and he used to say you know how are you and i used to go well i'm fine And he'd be like, you know what fine stands for, right? And I'd look at him. He'd go, fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Wow. (laughs) And so anyway. Well, damn. damn. (laughs) And I just look at him, I'd be like, son of a bitch. Even as a teenager, I'd be like, damn it. Anyways, and and so my girlfriend Amanda and I, we we wanted to get into the fine print behind all these power statements about, you know, uh, we wanted wanted to get into what it really feels like to own this power statement. You know, it's it's not as beautiful as what the is what it looks like on on when you have these beautiful imagery with these with these uh, poetic words. It's like, yeah, it feels a lot uglier than that. Um, so, so yeah, <laughs> yes. the IGTV show, and then I've got my my new website, ranirving.com. Um, that is under construction. It's it's open. You can go look at it. Uh, but you know, again, it's uh, it's a work of art. <laughs> so it's, yes. I'm, so I'm working on it a little bit. Little. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And how about your socials? My socials, uh, everything's under Ran Irving. Uh, my Instagram, okay. my Facebook, my Twitter, it's all just Ran Irving. Yeah. That's, that is amazing. And can we look forward to anything up in the coming oh. anytime soon? I know you mentioned something with Youth Underground. Yeah, Youth Underground. In Africa. Without, with, um, with a map. So I've got the, the IGTV shows that I do with Youth Underground. You can you can check back on those or just message and and ask when we're going to have one. I have uh, the IGTV show with Amanda Midens that's coming up. And I am I have a book. I've got a book that at some point yes. is going to be coming out. So, yeah. Well, keep, we will keep track and stay informed mm. and let us know when there's other, um, you know, type of, you're, you're like your signature mark right now. So <laughs> we got to make sure we got to make sure we follow you now oh, because thank you. this is just going to go on a, on a continuum of successes and we are just happy to be a part of it. Mm. And again, you sharing your time, the week of your launch of your podcast is, we just feel so loved and heard. Oh. actually we feel very seen and heard thank you i thank you for making yeah for giving me a safe place to talk and to just basically go off and um i don't even remember half of what i just said so thank you you went off more. but you went on some you educated me on a <laughs> lot of stuff and i'm like trying to pull out my damn oh. uh google side little <laughs> dictionary that i got i gotta I gotta be looking up all these terms that you've been blessed with. You really did. You really did. And and that makes me want to and now earn for your podcast coming up this out this week. Because now I'm I'm intrigued and I'm wanna and 
I want to be curious. Yes, yes. And oh, I love <laughs> it. I love it. Yes, be curious. Yeah. Because I know I want to love myself now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep up and keep informed. Yes. And, and loving ourselves, it's, um, doesn't happen overnight you guys it doesn't there's there's I know I know we want to wave a, a magic stick and a wand and just make everything go away and, and have it all be as easy as what we see uh on social media but it's you know what it's a never-ending journey um and learning to be your own hero learning to nourish yourself and to give yourself the love um you know I, I that's that's just a lifetime journey it's it's an experience and um you know, don't don't be afraid to make the mistakes because that's the mistakes that that creates wisdom. So beautiful. Thanks for being a part of my journey. Hey, it's Victoria. So thanks for tuning in today. That might have been a lot, but I appreciate you for tuning in, listening, and just being a part of the traffic truth. The time is now. And I also wanted to ask. If you want to share your survivor story, or if you have a topic that you just want us to cover to raise more awareness, let me know at Gmail or on Instagram, unseenttttpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram.